the Performance Lab podcast would like to acknowledge that the land on which we learn and work is the land of the Lenape, Wappinger, and Munsee people. The Performance Lab podcast is invested in the sharing of knowledge and cultivation of curiosity between makers. We invite guest artists to lead a workshop with the MFA candidates of Sarah Lawrence College, after which we interview them. We ask questions tailored to their individual practice, delving deeper into the how and the why of creation. Inspiration is all around us, but how do we hone in on the subjects that drive us? They share with us their tips, tricks, and sources of inspiration. Reflect on past performances slash projects. And keep us up to date on what is next. Stay tuned for the Performance Lab Podcast. Hi there, and welcome to the Performance Lab Podcast. My name is Kyrie Ellison, and I am a first-year graduate at the Sarah Lawrence Theatre Program. And today, we have with us Beth Pickens. Hi, Beth. Hello, so happy to be here. Thank you so much for, for agreeing to do this so last minute. We really appreciate it. Totally my pleasure. We are a huge fan of your book. Um, a few of us in the first year and second year have uh, read it because of Caden's class, and it's been super helpful during all of this. So thank you so much for, for putting that out there. It was, it's a really necessary piece of work. Oh, I'm so glad. I, you know, I find it was written, obviously, in response to the 2016 election, but a lot of it works really well for the pandemic. <laughs> Yes, it does. I've been referring back to it a lot. And it's been like a constant companion next to me on my desk when I'm feeling like I really just don't want to do the work. So thank you. Um, personally, thank you. <laughs> it's been really helpful. Um, would you uh, tell us a little bit about the workshop you led with us today in Grad Lab? Sure. So today we were talking about um, just what it's like to be an artist right now in this experience, especially what is it like to be transitioning out of school into the summer? or out of school because you're graduating and what are the elements of being an artist that can help serve you through that transition. Great and are there um, as you're continuing your consulting have there been any questions that have come up more frequently than others that you're that you're able to share with us? I think some questions I've heard repeatedly from people are um, about you know, am I even an artist? I can't I can't seem to make any work so that makes me question my identity. Um, certainly questions about what do I, how do I keep going creatively with the circumstances I'm in financially, logistically in my home life, um, how to navigate the feelings and grief that are related to all that was lost. So many of my clients lost opportunities that they were really excited about shows and performances and exhibitions and travel residencies. So how to navigate just the sort of stunned experience of losing these things that they've been counting on and looking forward to. Yeah, I know that that's been, that's been really hard for a number of friends of mine. Um, living here in New York, I have a, a, you know, a community of people that are, are now looking for work or wondering if their work is ever going to return. And I, um, I'd love to know if you could tell us a little bit about how you refill your well so you can hold space for all of these people in this time because I'm sure that it's it's been hard for you as well. I well first of all I'm not an artist. I have to always come clean and say I'm not an artist, but I, you know, work in service of artists and I have lots of practices I do to take care of myself so that I can show up for my clients and show up for the students I work with. Um, and I think that is true for artists too they, that taking care of oneself allows oneself to then show up to the other people and things around them. And for artists, 
one of the crucial things is maintaining a relationship to the self as an artist. And during this experience, especially for people who are not in the thick of making a project, maybe you've already turned in a project or you're not in something with a deadline, that can't, sometimes making creative work doesn't always feel available. But there is always a choice one can make to take a conscious action that connects oneself to themselves as an artist that we were talking about during the workshop. And that is turning your gaze towards something that will connect you to that part of you as a signal to yourself that you're not going to abandon the part of you that's an artist, that you're not going to abandon that self, no matter the circumstances. That doesn't always mean working on something or making something. Sometimes it's other small, simple gestures. And it's less about what you choose, what you pick up to connect to yourself in that way, and more about the conscious turning the gaze, the saying to yourself, I'm going to do this right now to connect to myself as an artist. I think that's that's super important, especially in this time where we're sort of inundated with all of the social media telling us, be productive, be productive, do things, do things, do things. And just having this immense shift in in the time that we have and the um, the effort that it takes to, to do something. I underlined um, what you said during the, the workshop, make your art anyway. Um, and I, I want to just like put that on a poster so I can see it every day. Um, but I, I'd love for you to talk a little bit more, if you, if you don't mind, about the idea of creating a ritual for yourself throughout the day to sort of help um, process, uh, process your, what am I saying? To help process your existence in this moment, in this time, and also to um, break down uh, the steps to, to uh, wow, I'm sorry, I've had so much coffee today just to stay awake. <laughs> Let me try that again. I'd love for you to talk a little bit about the idea of creating a ritual for yourself in this moment, in this time, um, in order to make breaking down those small steps of, of moving forward in your artistic practice. Uh, yes. Right. Okay. <clears throat> yeah. So during the pandemic, I've been coming up with really simple tools for all of my clients to help them sort of stay inside themselves and take care of themselves and show up for the parts of their lives that are really important, including their practice. And one thing I've asked everybody to do is hit five points every day. And that is one, starting with do something every single day for your body, something that puts you back in your body, something for your emotional, <clears throat> excuse me, and spiritual interior, something for the home, for the space that you're quarantined inside of, something that, you know, whether that's tidying or rearranging or making more visually beautiful or interesting, something for the relationships of people and animals you're quarantined with. And if you're quarantined at home alone, that can be for the people who are sort of in proximity closest to you and your plants. <clears throat> and then the something for uh, your relationship to yourself as a creative being. So the last one is always something that you're choosing that just connects yourself to being an artist. So hitting all five of these points every day will help sort of ground yourself holistically, like sort of touching all the major arcana of what needs to be attended to. Um, and that can create the willingness and the space to then do the next thing. But it's sort of like first things first. First, you have to take care of yourself before you can do anything. And what does that mean? We well, got to do something for your body. You got to like brush your teeth, which can feel like an effort right now. You have to maybe go for a walk, maybe do something that helps your body a little, something for your spiritual and emotional interior. And when you take care of yourself, then you can start to look outward. So you'll see the order of operations is always start with your body and your interior, then move out to the space and people around you, and then move into your practice. And um, the practice isn't the last priority. It's not, that's not why it's number five, but it's sort of like you have to sort of sweep everything and then get over there. And by the time you get over there, you have some warm up experience. 
So I think just very simply cycling through these five points every day can help you stay grounded and help you stay in a rhythm. Thank you um, for that. I would love to know what your aha moment was for, for choosing to be an artist consultant. And I should have said at the beginning um, that you have a consultant practice in Los Angeles. You say, I apologize, in Los Angeles. How long have you been doing this? I have been working in the arts for about 13 years and I've had this consulting practice for 10 years. And <clears throat> this sort of came to me, I, I knew that I wanted to work in the arts and around artists for a long time before I even knew that that was a thing that I could articulate. But art and artists has always been sort of a central way for me to understand being alive. And I knew I relied a lot on art for that. And so when I was in graduate school to become a therapist, I was just sort of assuming that I would move into working in some sort of community practice. But I moved to San Francisco after graduate school because I really wanted to live in a big queer creative community. And I had a job not in the arts. And <clears throat> I just found myself looking all the time for like, how could I be more involved in creative communities? How could I be more with artists? And so I quit that job and I, um, I, I started working in the arts. Basically, I was the managing director of two small queer arts nonprofits in San Francisco. And through that work, I started, uh, I, I co-founded and facilitated a, an artist residency for queer artists. <clears throat> Excuse me. And during the very first year of that residency, all of the artists were having conversations over dinner about the things that were troubling them, the things that were blocking them or stopping them or confusing them. And it was all territory that I knew how to deal with from my counseling training and my career counseling training. I knew how to help them with this. And it literally occurred to me, oh my God, I could use my counseling training to help artists because so much of what they're talking about, it's a mixture of logistical things I've learned from working in the arts and deeply interpersonal and emotional. Of course, because all of that is up for artists doing this weird, hard job in the world. And so that was my aha moment of, I can use my counseling training for artists. And that's when I started to develop this seedling of idea of an idea, which eventually resulted in my consulting practice. And then if that wasn't enough, you went on to uh, develop pamphlets and write a book called Your Art Will Save Your Life, um, which uh, we, we talked about briefly at the beginning, but I wanted to like you know, tell people what it is because I love it and want other people to read it too. Um, and I would love to ask you, you said in the, in the workshop that you were working on another book. Could you tell us a little bit about what, what that one is going to be about? Sure. That book is all done. It's going to be put out by Chronicle Books next spring. And um, we're still figuring out what the final title is going to be, but essentially it's a self-help book for artists and it's 12 chapters and every chapter is a deep dive into a topic that comes up very frequently in my practice. So the first chapter is about time. And then there's a chapter about money and marketing and other people, grief and fear and thinking and feeling and death and God. There's a chapter on, on 12 different areas that come up frequently in my practice. And so I do a deep dive into each one and sort of talk about anecdotes from my practice and tools and questions. And it's all sourced from all of my training in different fields and the collective wisdom of all the artists I've worked with and that I've known in my life. And yeah, that'll be out in, I think, March 21. That is so exciting. I can't wait. That is, if, if everything goes to plan, that is about when I'll be finishing up my career as a grad student. So I will need it very, very much at that point. <laughs> and I'm very excited. So thank you for sharing that with us. Um, I would love to, to um, deviate and ask you sort of a, a fun, silly question, if, if you don't mind. Um, what is your favorite takeout uh, order? Um, right now, so there's really interesting things happening with food in Los Angeles. This is a big food town like New York. 
Um, and so restaurants that have been able to pivot are doing really cool, weird things. Same thing with like pop-up restaurants. So there's this great actual, actually she's a visual artist, a painter named Michelle Jane Lee in LA. And she was about to do a series of pop-ups in Los Angeles that were artist pop-ups that were focused on vegan Korean food. Those all got canceled. And so she pivoted and started doing takeout and delivery every weekend of vegan Korean food that she would create and make. And it, this practice for her was a way of sort of like creatively engaging with her Korean heritage while also making vegan Korean food, which we don't really have in Los Angeles, even though there's a huge Korean community here. So my favorite thing has been about every week, maybe every other week, I make a big order of her delicious vegan Korean food. And then I eat that for a couple of days. And that's been really fun because it's been like this really great artist who I want to support. And she's doing this cool food thing and it couldn't happen the way she wanted, but it's happening in this other way. It's really amazing. That's awesome. That makes me want to look into any artists I know in New York and see if any of my chef friends are doing anything like that and find some someone to support because it's been, I, I live in the like northernmost tip of Manhattan and all, all we want is Chinese food and all of the Chinese restaurants have closed in our neighborhood. So it's just Domino's pizza, which, you know, it, it serves a purpose, but I would love to Thank you. Thank you for inspiring me to, to look deeper into my community and see if there's anyone out there that I can, I can support and look for. Oh yeah. I bet there's so much cool stuff happening with food there. And it's like, it's a thing we have to buy anyway. That's where some of our financial resources are going. So we get to investigate like, okay, well, who do I want to support? And who do I not even know about that's doing something cool where I could get fed and support them at the same time. So it's like one place where we have a little bit of power we have such little power over how we spend money in the world. It's like, you have to pay your rent, you have to buy groceries, you have to pay utilities. So where we do have some authority and choice, I like to have that go totally in line with my interests and values. Um, what are you reading or listening to right now that is, is making you ask questions or getting you really curious or even just you know making you feel good today? I am a voracious podcast listener and reader. So I have about 25 podcasts I listen to. But the one right now that I would say is actually getting me through the day is called Who Weekly. And it's out of New York. It's two podcasters out of New York. And they talk about all the celebrities you've never heard of. They're called Who's. And that's where you're like, see somebody in a magazine and you're like, who? I have no idea who that person is. It's really funny. And it's been around for years. So I listen. There's two that come out per week. And I'm a Patreon subscriber. So I get to listen to two more. So I listen to four episodes of Who Weekly every week. And I'm listening to their archive. So right now I'm in spring 2018. The royal wedding hasn't happened yet with Meghan Markle. They just talked about somebody everyone's never heard of named Billie Eilish. It's really fun to be like two years ago <laughs> before everybody is famous and before things happen. So that's a podcast. Um, I listen to a lot of other podcasts too, but that is my quarantine companion. And then for books, I always have a reading project. So uh, last year, my reading project was to read 50 books about contemporary China because I was about to travel through China for a month. And so that's all I did for like 10 months or, or maybe like 14 months was 50 books about China. Now for 2020, my reading project is to read 20 books published by NYRB, New York Review Books. And I did that because they're, the selection of books they publish, is always, they're always going to be things I've never heard of and they're always going to be really good. So right now I'm in the midst of two books on NYRB. One is called Schlump, 
and it's a 19, it's a book put out in the 1930s, I believe, about the First World War from the point of view of a hapless German soldier. I also just read Sam Irby's new book, Samantha Irby's book, um, Wow, No Thank You, which is really funny and amazing, and I highly recommend it. And the writer Beth Lissick, another New York writer, she has a new novel called Edie on the Green Screen that was fantastic, and it's set in the Bay Area. And I think that's everything. And I always am reading Lapham, Lapham's Quarterly, which is a journal by Lewis Lapham. Um, and the way this journal works is every season, it comes out four times a year, every season there's a topic like money, night, water, fear, work. And then inside the journal is writing and artwork from antiquity to today. So there could be there could be a piece of writing by Audrey Lord and by Seneca, all about the same topic. So it's writers across the globe throughout time, all engaging on the same topic. I always read that too. So right now I'm reading the one on death. Necessary. You know, I, um, I have been paying a lot of attention to uh, the good death on Instagram right now. I've been like, really love her. I follow her closely. I support her on Patreon. I read all her books. I watch all her videos. I love Caitlin Doty. She's amazing. Feminist mortician. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so many cool facts that I would never have the time or like normally the, the wherewithal to look into, but now it's like finding my way into my art. I've started writing a play about death and I, I just like have her to think. I'll have to reach out to her eventually when it's done and be like, read my play. It was inspired by you. Um, <laughs> But uh, thank you. I'm always looking for new things to read and listen to. And I'm, I'm sure our listeners would love to hear what you're up to as well. Um, we're almost at time, but I have one last question for you. And it's kind of a big one. What do you wish you had known when you were first starting out doing this consulting um, with artists? What hurdles have you, have you um, come up against and then come to the other side of? And what is your biggest pet peeve about our industry? Okay, something I wish I would have known when I got started working professionally in the arts is that nobody knows what they're doing. Most adults have no idea what they're doing. We're all just like kids walking around in adult clothes with empty briefcases. And so all the things that I do know are really significant. And I, it took me so long to understand that I had a lot of knowledge and wisdom and experience and skill. And that what I was projecting onto other people just wasn't true. Nobody knows what they're doing most of the time. And a pet peeve about the arts is that we want content, we want art, but we don't want to pay artists. And the most important thing to me in my role is advocating for artists getting paid, that their work is taken seriously and it's treated as a job and as labor. And it's a field that has no clear trajectory and sometimes people get paid and sometimes people don't. <clears throat> and there's so much wealth in the world that I want living artists to be paid well for what they do. That's the thing that makes me most enraged. Thank you for that from one artist. Um, thank you. We, we need more people like that. We need more people like that. I can't tell you how many times I've had someone ask me to do something for free and I'm like, exposure doesn't feed me. <laughs> but, but you know, hopefully that'll change soon. Hopefully with everything going on, people will see this a little bit differently. I have, I have hope that this is gonna, we're gonna come out on the right side of this. Is there anything else that I, I haven't, I don't want to take up the rest of your, your day, but is there anything else that I haven't asked you that you were just like chomping at the bit to talk about or would love to share with anyone? 
Um, I would say just listeners, you can follow me on Instagram at Beth Pickens Consulting. I answer questions. I share lots of information. During the quarantine, I'm giving daily Monday through Friday artists homework, things to do each day, prompts. So that's a place to reach me if, you, if you're having problems or you're struggling or you, or you have some wisdom you want to share with other people. Otherwise, people can reach me. You can, you can write me through my website, which is just my name, bethpickens.com. And I have free pamphlets. I have one called Making Art During Fascism and one called On Artists and Hopelessness. And you can get free PDFs of those pamphlets when you write to me. I have resources to share. So please reach out. Ask for help. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Beth. And thank you everyone for listening. Tune in next year for our uh, totally brand new SLC podcast with a new set of graduates. Stay safe, be well, and we'll see you next year. The Performance Lab podcast was brought to you by Contemporary Performance Network in association with the Sarah Lawrence College Theater MFA program. For more information, please visit our websites at www.contemporaryperformance.com or www.slctheater.com.